0: It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Suns on all the social medias. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love Levance Fields wearing a t shirt of himself on it and hate losing vital parts of your football program at very inopportune times, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show. A safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix brought to you by Section 5. Fellas, we're back. We got to see a win at the Pete on Saturday night. There was some less than ideal news that broke earlier today, but we're going to stick to basketball for now. We'll get to that unfortunate news later on in the episode, but two wins on the week for the pit hoops program beat Wake Forest on Wednesday, and then Notre Dame came in and and got pounded on Saturday, and honored two Elite Eight teams. It was a great night, great crowd. The Pete was rocking. How are we feeling about the Hoops team?
0: Uh, Optimistic, but also trying to fight that optimism a little bit.
2: At the end of the day, we went 2-0 on the week, keeping our hopes alive for the tournament. But if you think about it a little bit harder than that, you could say, well, they played pretty terribly in the first half of each of those games and have some tougher opponents coming up. So somewhere in the middle there, we, I think David said it best, we're, we're aware of the good that could come, but we don't want to get hurt, so we're not...
0: We're, we're firmly in eyeballs emoji, but guarding yourself a little bit territory.
1: That's fair enough. I think Pitt has done exactly what we asked for them to do about a month ago on this show. Is just try to keep this season interesting, keep us intrigued, at least have a chance. And I, I do think, I think ultimately the goal is you want to get into the tournament, want to be a player in March. Um, Pitt probably still an outside shot at that. Uh, pretty outside probably a bit of a stretch right now especially with the disrespect we've seen towards acc teams and all the bracketology stuff coming out and net rankings whatever it may be nerds yeah all the all the nerd analytics uh aren't respecting the acc so i I think it's definitely a stretch but i'm ready to get hurt again i'm talking myself into, yeah i mean What's the point? if you don't convince yourself that your team's going to win out and sneak their way into the tournament what's what's the point of being a sports fan? so I, I
0: got a couple questions because uh, I'm hoping you guys can educate me a little bit. Um, so for starters, we are currently 68 in Ken, Ken Palm, which is one of Ken Pomeroy is one of the nerds that we always get mad at. How do we like do we feel that that's fair? or can we get mad at the bias
1: because I, I want to do that. Um, I, I don't even know how some of these rankings are formulated at this point. I know we're looking at the net rankings. We're up to 64. Um, it's, I see a Virginia tech team at 13 and nine, about 11 spots ahead of us. And that's another ACC team, so that's not even conference bias there. So I look at that and I'm like, what? What are we doing here? We've got a 12 and 10 Xavier team at 47 in the net. Uh, Saint John's, I saw them getting in. They're sitting at 13 and nine. I mean, I know, I know everyone wants to say how good the Big East is, and it is a very good conference up top. But uh, letting teams in because they win, you know, 18, 19 games. Or or lose close to, like, top 10 teams. Yeah, I mean, if you're losing, you're losing. I I saw a tweet earlier today about how a a team has actually jumped in the rankings despite being 2-4 and in their last six. I believe that was Maryland, maybe? Yeah, I just pulled up that tweet.
2: Sorry if my connection went haywire there, but I'm back to talk smack on Ken Palm. Pitt hasn't played consistently well enough to get a, a high ranking. I understand that. But the tweet that we were referencing was three weeks ago. Virginia was 69th in Ken Palm and Maryland was 68 in Ken Palm. Virginia won six games and lost zero since or over that span. Maryland went two and three and Maryland is still ranked higher. So like, who cares if you win games, if you lose to good teams, I I don't like this shift that we're in. And I'm not going to get into my spiel until later in the month because it just makes me more mad. So I I don't care. Just just beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and hopefully we'll be in an okay
0: spot down the stretch. The idea of rewarding good losses is so weird to me, and I'm deeply curious with some of these rankings. I, I wish that there was like a website that gave you access to the formula and you could mess around with it. And I'm I'm sure it exists. And if you're listening and, and know of an existing site that I could play around with, please get all up in our DMS, but I'd be interested to know if you went like, 0 and 20 and every loss was to like a top 20 team, where would you be? Would you be ranked high enough to make it to the tournament? I'm assuming an 0 and 20 team isn't making it into the tournament, no matter what the circumstances are, but I, I just, I'm trying to get an understanding of how highly they value these quote unquote good losses, which is an oxymoron. This is still America. Uh, But like, I want to know the extent to which they are weighing those games, those results. It's all dumb.
1: Yeah. I think to an extent, like I, I, I like using it as a piece. Like if, if we have analytics here, And all the best teams that have played the best are near the top. Like it's like with PR people complain about PR with NBA players. It's like, ah, it actually can't be that bad if it's consistently saying that Giannis Jokic and Embiid are the best players in the league. It has, there has to be something to that. Right. But I just think it's leaned way too heavily on. Um, I think at some point, some common sense has to come in. And I do think the committee does a decent job of that when it comes time to make those decisions. Uh still like I think back to last year and Pitt's playing a 6 seed in Iowa State and they came into the tournament with 19 wins. Pitt goes in and beats them by 18 points. It's almost like, hey, we, we overranking those bad loss or those good losses a little bit. But I, I agree with you, Squid. It's it's there's a path for Pitt to make it in, and it's just beat the teams you're supposed to, maybe steal one or two that you shouldn't. Um and I, I don't know what that magic number is. I feel like a lot of Pitt fans have tried to find that but I think if you can get the 22 wins that's with the regular season plus the ACC tournament I think you're sitting pretty you're sitting pretty at that point um still going to be on the bubble maybe it's another play in in Dayton if they're playing that again in Dayton this year uh but maybe you're you're in the first four uh squid you're muted I see you're trying to talk but I think 22 wins puts you in an okay spot I would be so okay with going to Dayton again that was a blast
2: as long as we win, I know I said just beat the teams you have to beat and you'll be fine, but we're probably in the territory of you have to beat pretty much everyone, minus steal a couple, minus like Virginia. You could afford a loss to them, and maybe I don't know because everyone's in like the
1: middle of the pack now. We already got our Duke and UNC's out of the way so. What do we have? We have nine regular season games left. I mean, I'm thinking we have to go at least seven and two in the regular season to give ourselves a punching puncher's chance going into the ACC tournament. And then you got to worry about making sure you don't have any quad four losses and
2: blah, 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 blah. Basically, don't lose big and beat pretty much everybody. That's the path.
0: Well, before we we get too ahead of ourselves, I say that as if we didn't just draw a bunch of scenarios to make it into the literal NCAA tournament. But my other question is this. The team has apparently made a bit of a turnaround here. They beat Duke, and they seem to have come alive a little bit. What do you attribute that to? We were there Saturday night, all of us together to celebrate Big Lejeune's birthday. Happy birthday, Lejeune. Uh, and and we got to see it firsthand. What what did you guys see that you liked? What have we been doing better since that, you know, huge momentum swinging win against Duke?
2: I think I know what Dylan's going to say. It might be a little bit more lineup and team oriented. So I'll point out one player who has been a big factor in these couple of games. That's Bub Carrington. Blake has been a steady force. But Bub picked it up. He's had some high-scoring games. Georgia Tech, he was our leading scorer with 19. Miami didn't have a great game, but Wake Forest, back to his old self, 24 points. Notre Dame, he had 16, but he also dealt with some foul trouble. Didn't play a whole lot compared to what he usually does. So he's been making his shots, and that's big. Because outside of Blake, there hasn't really been – a guy we can count on every single game. So the fact that he's showing flashes again is huge for the team.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a safe thing to say. Bob Carrington's playing well, shooting the ball well. Uh, Pitt's a much better basketball team. I mean, I think if you look back to the Syracuse game, this the second Syracuse game, that was basically the game where everyone was like, okay, season's over. Good, good job, guys, but we'll, we'll circle up and try to figure this thing out. For next yeah, year. that was Bub's 0 for 10 game with <laughs> a number of turnovers. Which, which is exactly what I was getting to with that. Is that was the game where Bub was playing so poorly, it had basically felt like it was falling apart for him and thus the rest of the team. Um, then that next game, the Duke game, Jalen Lowe played big minutes for them, played very good minutes for them. And I think that insertion of Jalen Lowe into the starting lineup and playing more. Uh, more minutes for those three guards as a whole, uh, doing a lot more with the occasional three-guard lineup with Ish, Bub, and Jalen. Um, Ish gets, uh, gets emergence as a sixth man, the guy off the bench. He's been playing great in that role uh, these last few games, and I feel like it has allowed Bub to flourish a little bit as more of a scorer, doesn't have to initiate everything through him. Uh, they can try to find him and put him in spots where a little easier for him to score. And I I think that's kind of shown that when he's in attack mode, he's looking to score. That's when he's been at his best. And quite frankly, sometimes basketball is an easy game. The games where Pitt shoots the ball well, they play well. Uh they shot forty percent from three on Saturday night. Uh started a little slow, but when when Pitt's making shots but uh, Blake Henson goes four for six from three. It opens things up a lot for them. So sometimes it's just a simple game and, and they've kind of lived and died by the three a good bit this year. Got to give a new shout out to the lineup
2: that's been thrown out there a lot. Could say it's Warriors lineup of death esque bit of a small ball lineup. I remember the first time they trotted it out that Wake Forest game. I turned to my dad and said, so who's going to rebound? Because it's the lineup of Will Jefferson playing center. They went back to it a little bit against Notre Dame. I don't know the numbers. They didn't light up the world like they did the game before, but it's something that it seems like Pitts gonna turn to. So hopefully that is something that uh can give the team a spark when needed.
1: Yeah, I think it's a creative wrinkle too, because and we haven't recorded a show since the Wake Forest game. I mean that was the biggest coaching decision Jeff Capel's made this season by far, inserting Will Jeffers to take on Efton Reed. And Efton Reed was absolutely abusing Fetty for about 30 minutes of that game, basically getting whatever he wanted on offense. And then Will Jeffers comes in, he defends him, gets physical with him, and Efton Reed didn't take a shot for the rest of the game. Uh, Not only did he not score, he didn't take a a field goal attempt for the rest of the, the nine minutes. So I didn't he have that, a didn't he have a terrible quote after the game too? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have it pulled up, but it was something along the lines of it didn't really affect me when being asked about Will Jefferson's uh insertion into the game. Yeah, I would he have said to he
2: handled it. the lineup up ac- or he handled the change accordingly.
1: Yeah. It was just very much uh just terrible, terrible press conference answer for him there. But anyway. Uh, wouldn't expect nothing less. Uh, Will Jeffress, it adds a wrinkle. When he comes in, they kind of just switch everything, which weren't able to do with Guillermo or Fetty on the floor. I don't expect them to go to that all the time, but it, it's something that not every team at the college level can say they can do. They can switch one through five. Uh, Will Jeffress, pretty unique athlete, unique defender. Uh, if he could give them really anything on the offensive end, it would just be such a huge lift. But when he comes in defensively, it it gives a, a new dynamic on that side of the ball. And, you know, it's something interesting to see if they continue to go he- to here. I, I think back to the Miami game where Will Jefferson only played three minutes. I wonder if they go to that earlier, maybe let him guard Norchado mirror a little bit if that game doesn't turn out a little bit differently.
2: I'll be curious to see if they put him on DJ Burns from NC State in the next game because he weighs... Three
1: hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have huh. to wrestle with him, literally and figuratively. Should it be worrisome that we
0: have three seven footers on our roster and we have to turn to Will Jeffers to play center, or are we just not worrying about that while it's working? The latter. Okay. Yeah,
2: that's sufficient for me. It's honestly, it's working. <laughs> One of these games, they're gonna look really, really bad with that lineup out there. All right, we
1: had a good run. That was fun while it lasted, yeah. So all that to be said, I know we've gone we've gone in the past a little bit here. We've looked all the way ahead to figure out how we're gonna get into March, but Pitts next two are huge. They've got NC State on Wednesday, and they've got six days off, and they go to UVA. Um Absolutely huge opportunities here for some quality wins and not only quality wins, but I mean, keeping yourself out of the loss. We already have eight losses. You got to keep yourself out of the loss column as much as you can. So don't want to get ahead of ourselves one game at a time, uh, but it starts on Wednesday night. And that's a that's a huge one down at NC State. Any final thoughts on hoops before we have to breach the topic that we've been dreading today?
0: Literally, just win.
1: Yeah, just win. Ball, ball and hole. Win, win the game. It's that simple. We received some very surprising, interesting, monument, troubling, yeah, troubling, monumental news today regarding Pat Narduzzi's coaching staff. None other than Coach P. Chuck Partridge announced that he'll be leaving the University of Pittsburgh program to take a job with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Just another in the long line of college coaches fleeing, sprinting, can't get out fast enough to the NFL in this crazy world of college athletics. He gone. And... Despite all the assistant coaches that left this year uh, or were terminated. This was one that we just kind of hoped he'd be here forever. And he, in fact, is not. So Chuck P's gone. Initial reactions. Panic meter. Where, 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 where do we sit? Squid?
2: So everything how much am I panic about like everything that we're dealing with as far as the football program?
1: Yeah. I mean, if we want to throw on the fact that Penn state is absolutely cleaning up Western Pennsylvania, uh, they just got the linebacker, Alex Tatch from Latrobe. Uh, some other, tykey Hayes is committed there. My missing one. Another Xavier one. Xavier Howard, the, the Xavier Thomas Thomas. Thomas yeah. Valley. Yeah. So, I mean, they're just cleaning house in the Whippeal yeah so that's, we'll that's part lump of it all two, together the, the state of the program coming
2: off of a three and nine season all that panic meters we're going at a 7.9 out of ten I think if one of these things happened we'd be like all right we can get through this but if you lose your best position coach you're not recruiting that well and you're coming off of your worst season in a long 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 time things are bad and it's gonna be hard to turn it around anytime soon so uh, the only reason i'm not going full panic mode is because i think nate yarnell can keep this team afloat for a while and maybe there's a shot that we can get some life rafts and lifeboats out there and save what we we built for the past few years before last year. But no, today was
1: a very large kick in the balls. So the sheriff Nate Yarnell is is the saving grace of the program right now. Yeah, and Cade Bell. Jeff Bartholomew. Yeah. The thing with the coach Partridge announcing he was leaving, I felt like this off season, with how bad the the last season went, and with what we were kind of expecting in terms of guys transferring out, getting decimated by the transfer portal, not being able to bring anyone in, will Narduzzi go again? Like just go back to his old ways? It was like no, actually kept the team together pretty well. Didn't have any super major hits in the portal um brought in some talented players hired a new young oc seemed like they're kind of shifting the philosophy on that side of the ball and it was like you know what all things considered this offseason kind of went as well as it could have and then we get hit with this bomb today that i mean chuck partridge probably number two in charge down there for the under Narduzzi, um, a lot of people will probably credit him with their success over the last few years, save last year, uh, as much as anyone. Elite recruiter, elite coach, has put Pitt on the map as a school that has the best defensive lines in the country, one of the best defensive lines in the country, year in and year out. And uh, February 5th, he just up and leaves us. And now we're, we got to scramble to fill. What is probably the, not probably, who, what was the most important member of this staff other than Pat Arduzzi? So panic meter, 8.2. I'm up there. I'm not ready to sell off the football program so we can shift all the resources towards getting Malik Thomas to Oakland. Uh, as I've seen some people suggest maybe become a big East basketball only member. I, I've seen that thrown around. I'm not quite there yet, but it's it's crossed my mind. David
0: I think I'm at a zero. So you feeling good about the season? No, I've just completely disassociated. I don't I don't go on Twitter anymore. I don't go on the lair anymore. I don't... I don't refresh our page on The Athletic anymore. Obviously, I still... um, co-host a pit football sports podcast. So, you know, we we brush up when we have to, but... I think it's gotten to the point. Things are looking so bad right now that I... Like, I can't panic. Because... Panicking would mean that we're losing something that we have and we kind of have nothing right now. Like you you panic when you, when you fear things are going to get worse. I don't know if they can, we just went three and nine lost and, and you guys kept throwing in the caveat of like the second most important coach on the team. I would argue Maybe more important than Pat Narduzzi because just because of like he kept this program afloat when Narduzzi was not acting in the best interests of the success of the program. Like, how many years should we have been like three and nine, but we we led the country in sacks somehow? Well, not somehow, we had Chuck Partridge. No, I'm I'm a zero on the panic meter because I'm at the point now where like that program has to make me care deeply enough to panic again. I, I'm, I'm going to be at every game next year, but right now I'm kind of at the point of like, I'm not going to fret over every little thing that happens between now and September. And I'm just going to hopefully be pleasantly surprised when the team takes the
1: field. You're going to enjoy life a little bit. You're not going to let I'm gonna try. You're not going to let this team ruin several months of your year. No, no, like there, there were some June and May nights
0: in the past couple of years where I let like recruits in the transfer portal ruin like summer nights, like, like nights out with our buddies or like specifically, I, you know, time with my family. I lost a whole night of hanging out with my godson because of Jordan Addison Like I'm I'm not letting that happen this summer until I do because of what's going on with this program. But no just be good news or maybe bad news, there's no Jordan Addison to lose. No, you're right. (laughs) One way to look at it. (laughs) What a silver lining. We don't have anyone worth getting upset over. Getting upset over losing. No, I mean this is a huge loss. Um but you know. I guess to put a silver lining on this heap of shit, you know, we, we can we can look back in, in fondness over what Chuck Partridge did for this program. I mean, what an unbelievable coach. Recruiter, tactician, leader of young men. The fact that he was around as long as he was was
2: awesome because every year... I thought we survived another Charlie Partridge offseason. Cuz every year it's like, oh, Alabama wanted him, Texas wanted him, Miami, Florida. Uh,
0: <laughs> Miami didn't didn't want him where we were told.
2: Yeah, whatever you believe. We survived many years of the best teams in the country coming after Charlie Partridge. He could have left, but he liked what we had going here. And eventually Heather likes checkbook can't fight off the national football league when you tack on all the other exciting parts of being a college football coach these days, I'm sure that check would have to be even higher. So we'll think fondly of Charlie Partridge. If you left for an ACC rival, that would suck, but at least we can accept the fact that it was the NFL. It was all the other reasons. And we'll have nothing but good memories of all the great things that Partridge did.
1: I thought it was interesting the way he worded his tweet. Maybe it's coincidence, but I I liked that uh, the last line. I'll, I'll just read the whole thing. My heart is heavy and full of gratitude for Pitt and Pittsburgh. I'm honored to have the opportunity to be a defensive line coach in the NFL. It's time, and I'm excited to go coach football. And I wonder if that's the sentiment of a lot of these college coaches leaving the college ranks. And it's just like, I would really just love nothing more than just be able to coach football. I don't want to have to recruit my position room every year in and year out to try to convince these kids not to leave. I don't want to have to deal with a certain dollar amount being handed out to each of my players through NIL. I just want to be able to coach ball.
0: No more showing up to to fundraisers and booster events. No more kissing the ring.
1: Try driving hundreds. Of, and this isn't anything new recruiting, but driving miles and miles on road trips to try to convince 16 year olds that they should come play for you. Yeah,
2: I think it was funny. Jeff Hayfley did the same thing last week, but the only difference is Jeff Hayfley is just a mediocre football coach and was at like one of the worst jobs in power five. Like, what are you going to do at Boston college? Yes. I'm sure all the NIL and transfer portal things were a big thing, but like you were doing terrible at Boston college. You're more than happy at a college. Very different than Charlie Partridge. But I thought it was funny. Jeff Haifu was like, there was one day I flew to see three different high schoolers in three different parts of the country. And I just went back home and I was like, well, they might not come here. And I just spent a day, in like the south, the midwest, the west, and then back to Boston, all in one day, just talking to high schoolers.
0: It has to be so hard to motivate yourself to recruit,
1: because, because when, good, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, especially when half these kids just leave after a year or two. Anyway, if they don't play, yeah, yeah. or if yeah. they're good, they leave to go play somewhere better.
0: I was going to go the direction of social media has made these kids really goofy, uh, but I mean, your point is even more measurable and correct. But yeah, I I mean, this landscape is not conducive to uh, coaches having work-life balance um, or really like a life or happiness and they're, they're not to get into like the whole thing of it, but Coaches have been begging for reform on recruiting and the portal and NIL so that they can sleep at night for years. And the NCAA is not uh, up to this point taking it seriously enough. But this is, you know, and then this is what happens. You lose a, a Chuck Partridge who makes college football better because one random ACC team just year in and year out has the craziest pass rush in the country. And he goes up to the NFL, where I'm sure he'll succeed, but much he'll he'll be much more of a brick in the wall than he was at the collegiate level. All
1: right. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad we had him for as long as we did because some of the some of the defensive linemen who've come through here, and some of the defensive line units that we've got to watch, it's just been like comical. Like I, I can think back to specific games like one that jumps out, one of many that jumps out is like the Pitt Louisville game in the COVID year when like when Pat Jones and Rashad Weaver were just wreaking havoc. Sorry, not Rashad Weaver. Uh, Did Rashad Weaver play the COVID year? Yeah, he got hurt in 2019. So they were just wreaking havoc on both sides of the defensive line against this poor Louisville team who had no shot of blocking Pat Jones. It's just like we've had several of those guys come through the program playing under Coach P. Playing yep. watch Kalaja Kansi game at the games. Hey, let's watch Kalaja Kansi on this play. Oh, he split a double team and blew up that play before the running back could even get the ball. We talk about it with college basketball a lot how there aren't guys that as a freshman, they play a
2: little bit. As a sophomore, they play a little bit more than as a junior, they're starting. And as a senior, they're amazing. And you can like track the progress of guys. College basketball, that's gone. Everyone transfers. It's that, a figment of our imagination. College football is like that, too, in a way. There's very few guys that hang around and increase their playing time year after year at, at one school. I don't know if Pitt was really that way across the board, but at the D-line, it was. Yeah, So we would get a glimpse of a young Pat Jones and be like, oh, what do we have here? And then the next thing you know, he's getting drafted. Same thing with Twyman. He's like, hey, that guy could be great next year. And he was. And that's all because of Charlie Partridge. So keeping the units together when guys weren't playing, those guys trusted the process. And you saw it on Twitter today. I think the whole D-line room tweeted something like, oh my gosh, I'm heartbroken. You're the man. Even Marquez Williams, who was not a defensive end, was tweeting that. And all the, the former players, John Morgan, Rashad Weaver,
0: they say, yeah, you're the best coach I've ever had. Yeah, I think, and I think it says a lot about him, too, that he was willing to wait until after, uh, like, he he restocked the cabinet before he left. Like He went and he did big things in the portal. You know, hopefully, fingers crossed, reloaded us at a position that was struggling last year and then lost a couple guys before stepping onto the NFL. It makes me wonder if he had an arrangement with the Colts a while ago, that was kind of kept quiet, um, kind of like how like Harbaugh was definitely the full way out the door by the time he won a literal national championship. But, yeah, you know, it, it it makes you wonder. The, the guy cared. He and, you know, he showed the same amount of commitment, the same amount of buy in that he preached To his players and got out of his players because you're right squid there's a there's so many guys who i would have thought were would have been in the portal years ago who he got to stick around and who you know did something with their their pit careers
1: yeah reason 2765 why i find find it hard to blame these athletes who who transfer around because handful of kids just told we're excited as hell to learn from the best defensive line coach in the country and uh about a month after they step Mm -hmm. on campus he's gone so nothing against it happens all over the country every program has it but just another example of like hey before we get on these kids who bounce around all the time let's let's remember their coaches do the same exact shit and they get paid a lot of money to do it
0: One million percent, Dylan. If you get on players for transferring but not on coaches for hopping around and taking the next biggest check at the next biggest program, you are a bootlicker.
2: My only complaint about Charlie Partridge leaving is that he didn't wait around long enough for Aaron Donald to retire and take over his job here at Pitt. The timing didn't work out. Aaron Donald's been too good for too long. So I don't know who's out there. I mean, it's February. Coach Deuce has his work cut out for him. I don't know if... I'm sure Charlie Partridge told him he was still looking around. So I'm sure it didn't catch Narduzzi off guard. I don't know what he has up his sleeve, who he can bring at this point. But I'm sad it isn't Aaron Donald because I don't know who else is out there. I can't even begin to
0: think. Has he committed to coming back to the NFL for another year? There was all the noise he'd retire, like, the last two seasons. I don't know. Maybe they're working something out.
1: Can't imagine anything I'd want to do less if I was Aaron Donald. than Stop playing football and then have to go kiss ass to a bunch of high school kids. Although, if there's anyone who wouldn't have to kiss anyone's ass, I think it would be him. Just walk in the living room, like, do you want to play for me or not? Yeah, I'd, it'd I'd be end like, of the you're
2: automatically starting at the Nick Staven spot. Say, I don't need you. You need me. Say, like, oh, you want to play for Alabama? Who's their D line coach? I don't know. I'm me. He's not me.
0: Yeah, I mean, every single defensive tackle, like, like five star defensive tackle coming up now, has modeled their game after Aaron Donald in some capacity.
1: I I think uh, one Dave wants is out there and available. Sign me the fuck up. <laughs>
0: Everything I said about disassociating from pit football goes out the window if they give this spot to Dave Wanstead.
1: I couldn't imagine anything funnier and more awesome than Wani just coming back and just coaching a position group. It's like, yeah, I miss pit. <laughs> Dude, it, like if,
0: if we are just going to. Be stuck like this, you know, a three and nine team that doesn't have a ton of financial backing, isn't, you know, has isn't like a blue blood program. Just give us fan service. Give me give me Wani as a as a defensive line coach. Bring in a couple years if things don't work out with Kenny, bring him in as like a like a quarterback's coach. Just give me
2: all right. You just said if Pitt goes three and nine for a
0: few more years, and Kenny
2: Pickett flames out in that time span, bring him into coach quarterbacks. I'm not gonna. Oh yeah, we're all gonna be dead if that happens. I'm not gonna entertain this alternate reality. Pitt ain't going to three and nine again. I don't need
0: to I'm not gonna start talking with the Steelers and Pickett for another six months. We we've avoided talking about Kenny for like months.
1: Can't do it, man. I I just can't. The the discourse is sickening. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear a single thing about either of these programs until August. So. But Arthur Smith is going to save his career. Yeah. Jesus Christ. All right. We're going to close the book on this episode in football. Uh, It's February. We've got time before we have to get worked up about this. Thanks for tuning in. Sorry, we had to leave you off with uh, a rough 60 seconds there to cap things off. But things spiraled.
2: spiraled. We're going to not stop there, actually. We're going to talk about your <laughs> Vance Fields' shirt for a second. Okay. If we upset you in the last minute of the podcast, pull up Pitt Yukon, Pitt Syracuse, any of the last 300 wins of the Pete and just watch them on YouTube and forget what we just said.
0: I wish I, in my entire life, could do something so cool that I could wear a t-shirt of me doing that thing, and people wouldn't think it was, like, weird and narcissistic. Like, not a damn person saw that t-shirt and thought, like, oh, that's weird. Everybody was like, that is the coolest thing ever. I would write a fat check to purchase it. You know how people buy things with checks still.
1: We're assuming everyone knows Uh, LeVance Fields did wear a shirt of him hitting the game winner at MSG against Duke wore a shirt with that framed in the middle of it when they were being honored on Saturday night. Yeah. And everyone's immediate thought wasn't like, are you wearing a shirt of yourself? It was like, wow, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So, yeah, I don't know where they're available, but I actually think as soon as we get off here, I'm going to see where I can buy one we should sell them
0: and just make thousands of dollars until we get hit with a cease and desist.
1: We're well overdue for one of those. Oh, yeah. We've been saying we're trying to get one for about two years now. So, All right, let's get to work on it. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.
2: And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans. H2P.